Welcome to the 200th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Siobhan McDonald, author of the thriller Twisted River. Given that this is my 200th episode, I have a special guest who's helping me introduce the episode. Hello, I am Zachary Rutherford, the son of Jeff Rutherford, who does this podcast. And welcome to the 200th episode. You may remember me from when I did the intro to the 100th episode, and I sounded a bit funny when I heard that again. So I hope you enjoy the episode, and, well, cue the typewriter noise. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Siobhan McDonald, author of Twisted River. Siobhan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Well, can you read two or three pages of your novel, Twisted River? I sure can. I'll read you the opening chapter, which is two pages, and it is Oscar's story to begin with. So, here goes. Oscar, Curragower Falls, Limerick, Ireland, late October. She would never have fit as neatly into the trunk of his own car. He presses two fingers against her beautiful neck, just in case. No pulse. The blow was fatal. He looks at her one last time and closes the trunk. Her blood is all over his hands. Oscar stares at the curious patterns forming on his pale skin. No latex gloves this time. He tries to think. In the cold, he hardly moves, watching the tiny pearls of red slide down the coarse hairs to his wedding band. The burning in his stomach spreads upward to his chest. His control is slipping, his panicked breath forming small clouds in the dark. Oscar is in turmoil, from man to shivering animal in the space of three minutes. Across the road, water rages over the falls. Oscar has felt like this before. It was a long time ago, but the memory is vivid. In fourth grade, he punches Annabelle Klein so hard in the stomach that she vomits. Another memory flashes before him. This time, he's standing over Brigitte, watching her die. Up the road, the church bells sound a mournful chime. What's done is done. There comes the sudden beat of wings. Looking up, Oscar sees an arrowhead of swans slicing through the night sky. A sputter of rain starts to fall, the drops making a tinkling sound on the plastic bags scattered at his feet. Shards of glass from a smashed jar of peanut butter mingle with exploded bags of popcorn. There's a squash banana, the flesh pulped from its skin, and a packet of brownie mix daubed in blood. Should he look in the trunk of the car one more time to make sure? He fumbles for the catch. It isn't like his BMW. This is a VW sedan. The car they'd agonized in, attempting to sort things out. He'd so wanted to straighten things out. His fingers slipped left and right, searching for the catch. The VW badge is smeared with blood. There it is. He squeezes with his thumb and forefinger. Dad? He freezes. He hasn't seen the kids pick their way across the gravel. Elliot? 
His nine-year-old is shivering in pyjamas in the driveway. Jess, his 12-year-old daughter, is behind him. You've been gone a long time, Dad, says Elias. It's more a question than a statement. Jess stands there, perplexed, eyes innocent and wide. He sees her scanning the debris of the grocery shopping all over the driveway. His children cannot know what just happened. They must be protected no matter what. The roaring in his ears begins to build again. He wills his mouth into a smile, pulling his lips over his teeth. He hopes it looks convincing. Jess's face drains of colour as she edges toward him. The sound in his ears is almost unbearable. What is it, Jess? He can see her mouth is moving. She's asking something. What did you say, he shouts. Where is Mom? She shouts back. And there you have it. That's the first chapter. Great. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about Twisted River yet, how would you describe your novel? I would first and foremost describe it as a thriller, a suspense thriller, I guess. And then if I were to classify it further, I would probably call it domestic noir. And the reason I would describe it as that is because the story centres around two families who decide to do a house swap on either side of the Atlantic. You have one family in Ireland and one family in New York. And they've only ever met on the internet. They agreed to do this home exchange on the internet. And on the face of it, the two families are pretty similar. You have two professional couples, and they each have two children each, and they're roughly similar in age. And they, both families need desperately to have a holiday because they have been going through trouble, trouble times in their, their everyday lives. So, unfortunately, they get a lot more than they bargained for when they discovered that they've stepped into a bit more than the bricks and mortar of somebody else's home. And there's a a few layers to the novel, I suppose. I I wanted to do a few things. Um, One of the ideas I wanted to explore was what happens to relationships when people are put under extreme pressure, both from inside a, a, a family and external pressures. And I feel that, you know, people can do very strange things and react very bizarrely and very much out of character when they're under pressure. And I also want to explore the notion that we are all really products of our environment. And by that, I mean, I think that if you grow up in an environment that, you know, a comfortable environment where you're financially secure in a stable household and stable relationships, your life is likely to develop in one way. But if you grow up in surrounded by instability and broken communities, plagued by social problems, your life is is likely to be a little bit more difficult. And apart from all of that, then there's the notion that really, you know, sometimes life just spins on sixpence here or, or a dime, as you might say in the U.S. You know, catastrophic events sometimes happen out of, out of nowhere. You might make a little mistake that snowballs into something far, far greater, or you can just be in the wrong place at the wrong time or say the wrong thing to the wrong person. And there are always the, the unforeseen circumstances. Things, you know, life is taking over. 
Sure, sure. Uh, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing Twisted River? Yes, well, there are a couple of things, Jeff. One of them was that uh, myself and my family went, well, when my elder son was in his last year in secondary school, just before he went off to university, uh, we discussed going to New York. And New York had always been a a huge topic in our house because my two boys grew up watching uh, Home Alone. And we used to have this institution in our house, which we used to call uh, a Home Alone Tea. And a Home Alone Tea was maybe at the weekends when the uh, boys were young, they were allowed to have their tea on a tray in front of the TV and watch it Saturday (laughs) night. They they coined this idea of the Home Alone Tea. And, you know, they loved watching all Kevin's exploits. So... Uh, they were much older by the time we actually came around to discussing going to New York. So we did actually have a holiday there in the October school holidays uh, a number of years ago, and we went to see all the sites that they'd all spoken of uh, over the years. So that provided, you know, one of the settings for the novel. And the other uh, theme in the novel, of course, is the actual the um, actual house swap itself. And we had discussed on a number of occasions doing a house swap maybe with family in France, somewhere by the seaside. And we'd looked at all the home exchange sites and we'd get so far and I'm afraid I always chickened out. Um, <laughs> in school, we had, uh, in French class, we, the, we did a lot of the short stories uh, of Guy de Maupassant. And there was a short story that always sticks in my mind of this character that no matter what happened, he always could see danger lurking around the corner, so much so that, you know, he stayed in his house a lot of the time because he imagined all these horrendous things that would happen when he opened his front door. And I keep asking people, do they remember this story? And I'm beginning to think now, did I actually make this up myself? (laughs) I'm not quite as bad as that myself, but, you know, I tend to be a little bit cautious. So, so far, we haven't done a home exchange. But, you know, if, if somebody were to come along and offer us some wonderful house in the Hamptons or something like that to exchange, you know, I might jump at that. But, you know, I could see all the the potential hazards and I thought, well, you know, that's probably material for an interesting novel. So that's where the inspiration came from. That's great. So had you always wanted to write fiction before you sat down to write uh, Twisted River? Well, I suppose I've written on and off for a long time. I, when you know, I was a school kid. Uh, I used to write uh, what were called dramatic uh, duologues, little small one-act plays, and I would act them out in school in competitions around the country with uh, a school friend of mine. So I would do all the dialogue, and both of us would would, would act them out. So I enjoyed writing those plays, and I would have written poetry. Uh, I wrote quite a bit of poetry actually in the Irish language and won a few prizes for that. And then I suppose in later years when I actually was working, I used to, in my holidays, you know, at vacation time, I would write short stories and send them off to newspapers and that kind of thing. So it's in the last number of years really that I, I set my hand to trying to write an actual novel. I mean, I've had an interest in writing all my life. And so what was that experience like for you writing Twisted River, your first novel? I really, I really enjoyed it because I, you, know, you start writing and, and you get in the groove. And, you know, it's funny. It's a funny thing, writing. You can sit down and think that you're actually 
you think that you've actually been seated for about 20 minutes and the next thing you look at the clock and you could have been there for three hours. You just, I just get totally absorbed in it anyway, especially when you get as far as knowing all the characters and the characters become real to you. I have Twisted River is told from the viewpoint of four main characters. So they, they really became real people to me. And I got, I got very enthralled in it myself and I loved making up all the, all the twists and turns and the, the what if this happened and what if that happened and then having a go jotting it down, uh, on, you know, typing it out on the keyboard and saying, oh, yeah, well, actually that does work. The plotting, the plotting can be kind of difficult because you can get yourself tied up in knots. So sometimes you have to roll back, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. That's great. Well, uh, what advice would you have for aspiring writers who might be listening and who would want to write their own novels or short stories? Yeah, well, I do, you know, I suppose over the years, and I've been telling people that, you know, I, I'm writing, uh, and they always say to me, well, a lot of people would say, oh, you know, I'd love to write. And you know, somebody recently said to me, and she's a very, very big reader, and I do feel that she would be quite a good writer if she gave herself a chance. She had gone along to a creative writing class, and she'd been so disheartened by hearing how wonderful everybody else's stories were that she didn't go back and she didn't, you know, hit a keyboard or put pen to paper. I think everybody needs to develop their own voice and not to be put off by other people. Sometimes it's just a good idea to go into a room, a quiet room by yourself, and just write, just write one paragraph and write another paragraph, and soon you'll have a page. And write two pages and three pages. And you know what? Even if they don't follow on, even if they're a pile of nonsense to start off with, you've at least written three pages. You can go back and start again and write three more pages. I just don't think you should be put off by it. There are lots and lots of wonderful writers out there, but, you know, everybody needs to develop their own voice and just, just start, really. Just start with your one paragraph and build on it from there. Great. Well, are there books and authors that you've read recently that impressed you and that you would recommend? You know what? I do love a good mystery, and I love thrillers. And I'm in a book club, and uh, we did a thriller recently, and it, it actually was great fun. And um, it's um, Peter Swanson's "The Kind Worth Killing," and uh, it was uh, a great read because it's a story about a guy who meets a woman in an airport, and he meets her car, and he. They strike up a conversation, and he says that he wants to kill his wife, and or he intimates that he wants to kill his wife, and this lady agrees to help him do it, and that's the premise for the story, and it's told from a number of different viewpoints. I do quite like that style because I think you, you get insights into, you know, different characters, and you can come at the plot a number of different ways. So that was a real. That definitely was a very, very good read. It, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that, and I would recommend that. That's great. So what are you writing now? Are you working on another novel? I'm working. I'm always, you know, working away. I'm, I have a, a writing project on the go at the moment, but it's probably a little too early to say anything very meaningful about it. I need to get a few things straight in my head. So I, I'm not at a stage where... I could really, you know, say anything 
you know, very interesting about it just yet, but I am working on something, yes. Okay, great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Siobhan McDonald, author of Twisted River. The novel is available in bookstores now, so go grab a copy. And Siobhan, thanks for doing this interview. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much, Jeff. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.